Hello, everyone, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Tuesday Special Podcast. But before we jump into the episode, got to give a quick shout-out to some sponsors. First being the Originals, Cabarrus Brewing Company. Been with me since day one. 329 McGill Avenue, Concord, North Carolina. You can find them online, cabarrusbrewing.com. Uh, they let me do trivia there. They let me do comedy shows there, and they sponsor my podcast. They've done a lot of stuff with PWX. They're, they're awesome people. Uh, we help them out. They help us out. It's a joint venture, uh, and we want both of them to be successful. So if you could want to visit them on the website, cabarrusbrewing.com, or if you're in the Concord, North Carolina area, go check them out. Guarantee you, you will not be disappointed with the beer quality and the badassness of the brewery. It's amazing. Go check them out. And next is Threadforge Apparel. Brad and the crew at Threadforge are amazing. They're awesome partners. They printed the first Tuesday special shirts. They print the PWX shirts. They print a bunch of people's shirts, and they can print your shirts. So check them out online, threadforge.co. That's threadforge.co. Or just look up Threadforge Apparel Company on Facebook and find them and like them and follow them and send them an email. If you want to print something on something, they can print it. I don't know what your something is or what your print is, but they can do it. I can guarantee it. Hopefully, Brad can keep that promise. But yeah, check them out. Great company. Best printers I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot. So go check them out. And last but not least, the newest, and last but not least, the newest sponsor, 1820 Apparel, just released an awesome shirt. If you listened to last week's episode, it was our first episode of the Mental Health Awareness Series. And uh, I told you about the shirt that we did with 1820. I just didn't tell you how to go get it. So if you want to check it out and go get it, just type in wear1820.com backslash product backslash MHA. That'll take you straight to that shirt. Or you can just type in wear1820.com. Check out all of their shirts. I think they have like seven or eight shirts. Uh, Not to mention they have the Team Shasta shirts. Quick update on Shasta. She got a liver transplant. And is doing well. She's at Duke Hospital, but still needs the support. All proceeds still go to her. She's going to have to stay up there uh, for six months just to keep an eye on her, make sure everything's working well, make sure everything's uh, taking and her liver's doing well and, uh, and her body's just getting right back to normal. If you, if you throw prayers out, throw, pray, so throw some prayers out and some thoughts out to Shasta. She's a tough cookie, man. It's crazy. I, could, I couldn't have done it, but she does and she's strong. And that's why we have the hashtag Shasta Strong, hashtag Team Shasta. So go check out where1820.com and yeah, support them. They support us. All right, that's enough business. Let's go have some fun. That's right. That's right. It is the wee hours of Tuesday. That's right. Not Tuesday. Tuesday. And uh, I'm getting this podcast out uh, that I recorded last Thursday. And I'm so excited about this episode because I've been wanting Jake on the podcast for a long time. And uh, we, me and him get into it uh, in, the, in the talk. And I know a lot of people might know Jake Manning from wrestling. Uh, some people might know him from comedy. He's done wrestling a lot longer than he's done comedy. But me and Jake, like, I, we, we, we go back and forth during the episode. Uh, I, like, we've known each other from anywhere from 10 to 12 years. And, and our relationship has grown. Our friendship has grown. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I just I I truly admired Jake. I'm, I I got some of my work ethic in professional wrestling, uh, just being a being around Jake and learning how hard he works. And uh, I, th- I still think he's he's one of the smartest people I know in professional wrestling when it comes to everything about the business. And uh, and he's a damn good wrestler, and he's a damn good comedian. I, I mean, I, I I'm fortunate enough to get to see it all, and I work with him on both sides of that fence, of uh, those fences. But yeah, Jake Jake's just he he can he can come across as uh I, like I talk about it. I don't even know how to explain it. He can come across as a jerk or like that he doesn't care. But it, Jake holds a passion for things that I've never seen before. Like he he's so driven, he's so passionate about what he believes in and what he wants to do. And and I've seen Jake through like the happiest times in his life and I've seen him through the the darkest times of his life. And uh, I, I think he's I think he's good. I think he I think he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Uh, I mean, he's like he's like Zane and Caleb and everybody and all of us that have done wrestling forever. Uh, we're bitter about it and and little things get to us. But uh, I think the comedy shines a light on Jake uh, that he that he loves. And and every time I talk to him about it, then we do a, we do a lot of talking about comedy and like some self reflection in this episode. But every time I talk about him doing comedy. It, you just see him light up, and and you can see like that's the that's the interest that I that I saw in wrestling when he was trying to build wrestling, build wrestling, and not to take anything away from his wrestling career, what he's doing in wrestling because he's got he's got a huge following now, and uh, he's got a huge feud with uh, the Tent that has has followed him around for a long time uh, over in Wrestling Revolver. He's returning to PWX in in what twelve days, thirteen days. For the biggest show that PWX has ever put on, I'm glad he's has the opportunity to be a be a part of that because he's a big part of the history of that company, like we speak of in the in the podcast. But yeah, I just I just admire Jake, man, and I can't say it enough. And I try to tell him, and I just can't get it out. And I just hope I just hope this conversation makes everyone that listens understand how how smart Jake is and how how brilliant he is at putting together wrestling things. And just jumping into the comedy. I mean, I don't know. He's done it for a good amount of years now. I want to say like five or six or seven. Maybe not even that long. He might say it in the podcast episode. But like just seeing him jump in and learn every aspect of the comedy business. And now he runs multiple successful comedy shows and uh, open mics. And it's just like success, man. I've said it before about other people. This is the, these are the people you need to surround yourself with. People that, that work hard and, and find success and learn and always grow and yeah so i put jake over for like a good almost four minutes now and uh he'll never let me live it down so i'll let him put himself over if that's what he does without further ado this is my conversation with the one only man scout jake manning I want you to start it like that because you've, you've taught me Monday, that, in, Monday, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Get, instead of you know, yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing ever is I remember like I remember you teaching me that when I started doing like high spot stuff. Yeah, because everybody, everybody does one, two, three, four, five, and that's like not an indication <laughs> of people. And if I ever did the 
whoa yeah. thing, you would always just yell at me. Yeah, just just talk like a normal <laughs> man. Yeah. Or just do the spiel like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cabarrus Arena. I'm Corky Franks. Yeah. You know, like, just do it That's like why you would. To this day, I know you're not around PWX. You, you're making your way back July yeah. 7th. Uh, I give it to I give the microphone to Kevin Pierce just just out of pure fear that you somewhere somewhere in the building, and I and I say, yeah. test test, and I just hear Jake's voice. Just I mean I don't have a problem if you do it like once or twice. Yeah, but when you are doing that for two hours straight, <laughs> it just it's, conveys to me that you know nothing, nothing of any, the sort. Any music venue that we've ever ran in the in in the history of. Like even not even PWX, but anywhere else, when the sound guy uh-huh. gets the microphone, he always does. It. And I just think they're oh, not good. Oh. They're not good because yeah. I've 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 had we've had professional sound people before do sound, and guess what? They don't do any of that. Yeah, they do none of that whatsoever. It's like it's like what they I've teach. Been to, I've been to WWE, uh-huh. and they don't do that. How do they do it? They just talk. Like do the intro. They put music on. They just talk. You know, they'll do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, and or they'll have somebody ringing out. But rarely do you ever see them go. Yeah. The microphone. <laughs> like so. Like why? So I just think there's just bad sound people. Just like there's it's, bad everything. Do you think it's what they teach you in school? Like if you go to school to be a sound engineer for a live venue, do they teach you the the? I think it's a lot like. Um, Almost like indie wrestling was when, like, like George South and Italian Stallion would yeah. like get these guys who work at gas stations, teach them enough to get the crap beat out of them by the Steiner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, well, I've been on TV. I wrestled the Steiner Brothers. Now I'm opening a wrestling school. And then they teach them. <laughs> and then those two students teach them, I was trained by so-and-so, and he worked for WCW. <laughs> and then it just downgrades and downgrades. And then it's like, this doesn't even look like pro wrestling and, anymore. Yeah, and now in 2019, this is where we are with music Yeah, like music uh, engineers. Exactly. And this is what I always tell people all the time is, like, just because I do something or somebody does something it doesn't mean they're good at it yeah you know like everybody's like man you do this and this like yeah i do it don't mean i'm good at any of it like yeah it, it's you're only as like i feel like in indie wrestling you're only as good as the promotion the primary promotion you work for so if like if i if yeah, i like, if a venue allows pro wrestling into a venue it's not a good venue so yeah. therefore <laughs> they're not good sound people so it's just unless, that unless logic. you have unless you have people that can politic like zane yeah, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 I'll vouch for these guys." But then now we look at venues that we ran in the probably the last three years, and then we look at Tremont, mm-hmm. which was amazing at the time. But now it's like just a big shithole. Yeah, you look at some of the places they run, but yeah, but they had some charm to it. Yeah, you know, like, like I, Escapade. I loved Escapade. Oh, Escapade was the best. And it was right was, across the corner from my house. Yeah, yeah like, and I, it rode, was, I rode my bike there one time. It was great. Like I would if. Is it true that I don't know if I'm supposed to air this? Is it true that Mike was thinking about purchasing Escapade? Yeah, it, See, it, it, uh, it was discussed that we were like he was thinking about because he wanted to get that wrestling school out of yeah. the warehouse so he could just put Shimmer DVDs in the in the yeah. place where the ring is because <laughs> yeah. that seems like the most effective use of that space is yeah. just uh, you know Shimmer DVDs let's stacked keep, all the way to the ceiling. Let's keep the sewing kit and yeah. everything else over in the corner, yeah. like just on top of each other, and let's just pack a bunch of DVDs right here. In yeah, the and the ring was used as a nice workbench. You take yeah. that out, and now we just got a bunch of like tributes books stacked yeah. up. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here with Jake Manning. I've been wanting to have you on forever, uh-huh. and uh, a power outage in a comedy show has allowed it to happen. Yeah, exactly. So it's a weird. We had. I, I was. I was praying. I wanted the power to come back on so we could do the comedy show because I was looking forward to the comedy show. I'm really f- looking forward to the. 30, is it thirty minute set? 
uh, probably 45. So 45. Yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 I've never seen – in doing the comedy show. So background before I get on a tangent. Uh-huh. Uh, I was approached by Cabarrus Brewing to do comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, right? They asked me, what, what do I think would help generate sales throughout the week? And I said, you know what? I think a comedy show would be good. And there was only one person on my mind that I knew that had his hand in comedy and has been, had been doing it for a few years, and that was you. Mm-hmm. So when they said, okay, yeah, I think we'll do it, the first person I called was you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, I have no idea. I can, I can make the show look good. I have no idea. No comedians. I know no comedians. I have no idea how to run a comedy show. I don't even want to act like I know how to run a comedy show. Mm-hmm. You run a plethora of them. Yeah, throughout Charlotte, I, I run three of them, and on I had, top of spot shows, so and I had no territory. I had been, I think, I had been to Evening News once mm-hmm. before I you invited me to go try my stand up skills mm-hmm. there, which is a whole other story in itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I was like, okay, so Jake Jake runs successful shows, so I, I can I it's not hard to like process in my brain that I need to bring him in to help run this one, mm-hmm. and it has been successful. Yeah. But but long story short, or long story long, I should say, like mm-hmm. we we had a power outage at the brewery today, and as much as I'm glad that it came back on because we get to do the comedy show, yeah. I really want to do this interview in like the damn. It's like we're in a warehouse where all the power's out, and yeah. there's aliens running around, yeah, and there yeah, was yeah. just this one safety light behind you that's shining down. Yeah, and I just got my Australian girlfriend who I met for the first time, <laughs> yeah. like last week, just out in, a, in a, an abandoned warehouse with the lights off. Like, well, that's what, like, I, I remember you talking about that. And when you told me uh, I might be able to make it, but I have somebody with me, yeah, yeah. I, that's who I thought, that's who I was thinking it was. Yeah. So it was cool, cool to meet her. Yeah. Everything great. good there? She's fantastic. She's, she's the best. And I feel a little bit like Tom Hanks and Splash. Yeah. Because, like, she's like, what's this? I go, oh, that's Chipotle. Do you want to go oh, in? And- <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, she's like, I've only heard of this. And- <laughs> so this is our first time in America? Yeah, uh, she's been in, in America before. Okay. But, like, she hasn't been in the American South. Oh, okay. As far south as she went was West Virginia, which doesn't count as so a when, state. So when you introduced her to me, and I was like, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, she's she like, loved your accent. What? Love what is that? Oh, yeah. She <laughs> she thinks accents are great. Gotcha. Like, she thinks it's gotcha. adorable. Well, I'll, I'll try to entertain her with a few sentences yeah. throughout the night. But uh, so I've known Jake for, what, 10 years now, roughly? Almost 10 years? It's been a long time. It, it, it pro- definitely over 10, for sure. Uh, could have been as early as oh seven oh six, so we could be talking in twelve, yeah. a dozen, maybe. Yeah, it's crazy. And I've been uh, and I've said it on many podcast forums and many interviews that you've given me a ton of my opportunities that I've had mm-hmm. with Ring of Honor, with High Spots, uh, like partially with WrestleCon, because I'm sure that Mike confides in you in making decisions. Because you've Not been as much anymore, though, which is fine by me. I don't want the responsibility. It's, it's interesting because... I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the phase of, if you're a Walking Dead fan, I'm very much Farmer Rick phase right now. Oh, okay. Like, I I did a lot of uh, ground laying and yeah. a, lot of, a lot of murder and a lot of pushing forward <laughs> yeah. in anger to get us to this prison. And yeah. now everybody's like, all right, Jake, you've, you've kind of gone too far. Yeah. We'll take care of you. We'll set up a proto-democracy. Just <laughs> yeah. go out and play in the garden right now. We'll okay. leave you alone. So now you're playing in the garden. Yeah, I'm playing in the garden right now. And then when shit falls apart, they come find exactly. Farmer Rick to dig up the guns. <laughs> exactly. So. I love that analogy. It's uh, So we've been like through wrestling companies together. Uh, we've been on the roads together. We have plenty of good stories we can tell about me driving the truck on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you got me my job at Ring of Honor okay. when we when we filmed for two years. 
which was interesting and fun. And uh, my favorite story from that is, were you there like the last when they did the meeting in Philadelphia? Or is that one you couldn't make? What meeting? It was a meeting when they announced that Sinclair was buying them. Oh, that was in Chicago. Was it? Yeah. They, and they introduced Joe Coff and they brought everybody in. Oh, this might then this might have been this was I want to say you were there. No, I think Mike was there because you couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Mike uh, Clemency, one of my other, other buddies that would help okay. out when you couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh it was in Philadelphia and it, this might have been when they announced that they were going to sell. Okay. And then they might announce in Chicago is when they announced like this is who's buying it. This is these are yeah, the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was after it was our homecoming show. Uh and I and they were like everybody needs to come to the back main room. Uh-huh. So we all went back to we were in the Philadelphia uh what's the big armory? The big Philadelphia Army where House of Hardcore was. Remember mm-hmm. when we did House of Hardcore? Mm-hmm. Not House of Hardcore. Extreme Rising. Extreme Rising, yes. And uh there's so many stories from that trip. <laughs> I, I haven't even like I haven't even thought about any of these really at, at all. Well I'm glad I can dig them up. And they're almost they're just as vivid in my mind. Yeah, you know, I, like I it's, it's it's whenever someone gives you a, like a snippet of it, like mm-hmm. it all just comes back. Yeah, the uh, and they start talking about this stuff, and like three minutes, and I'm like, I don't need to be here. Yeah, like I've I've been working for this company for a year, uh-huh. like, and I'm just a camera guy that yeah. Ross likes. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That's why he calls yeah, me. That, that was my role, too. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I had the merch. Because not only was a good camera guy, I was like one of their better merch sellers. Yeah. So Ross is like, please, as soon as you are done with the ring, he's like, get, get over here for intermission. Because, you know. Yeah. You I remember, I remember the DC. conversation when you were like, Patrick, Ring of Honor needs a film guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, are you interested in doing it? And I was like, hell yeah. Because this is when I hadn't worked for anybody mm-hmm. except for like my company and PWX and stuff like that. And, uh, the first one I think was Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I saw Generico for the first time. Yeah, and he, it was like, what, the, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening here? Well, it's funny <laughs> that you bring up his name and you're talking about the selling of the company. The two people that uh, I I went with as soon as uh, they introduced who was going to buy the company, mm-hmm. uh, I went off to Panera Bread with uh, Colt and Generico, and yes. they, their take on the s- selling of the company. <laughs> Was priceless. Nice. <laughs> I have just a fly on the wall because I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I make X amount of dollars. This, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna be here regardless. Yeah, and like, and if things get shitty, this is like my fourth or fifth job, so I could drop this, and I'm not, I'm not affected by this at all. So, <laughs> so we could sit here and talk about wrestling stories forever. But one thing that wrestling I'm wrestling stories I haven't thought of it in like yeah seven years. Uh, so what's well, you have so many. You've met pretty much every probably every legend or person in the wrestling business that you'd care to meet you've yeah. met i have no interest in meeting Dwayne the rock johnson yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have none. you're you're more with the old school guys well i mean nothing against Dwayne the rock johnson but like but what? it's like you you might be the most well-known person to legends i've ever met in my entire life anybody that i've ever met that like dusty Rhodes, uh steamboat flair anybody like that whenever they see you they're like how you doing, Jake? Well, it's because you can't forget a face like this. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing to do with it. Like if I was, like if I just had like regular hair and looked like a normal human being, they'd forget about me. I, but it's like, like I'll walk in with you, and he like, and I'll be like, "Hey, I'm Patrick," and they shake my hand. Hey, nice to meet you, Jake. How you been? Yeah, good. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah, and then Ricky Morton or Manny <laughs> yeah. Fernandez or Bobby it's amazing. Whoever. Like Manny, I trained like in in the vicinity of Manny Fernandez for six months when I was getting into wrestling mm-hmm. uh, through. Uh, just another gentleman I won't name, yeah, yeah. but uh, 
and he still doesn't recognize me. <laughs> Man, he, like, yeah. I might have wrestled in a match with him one time. <laughs> yeah. I might have wrestled one of his students. I don't know. Like, ever to this day, he's just like, been <laughs> super nice to me. Yeah. He's actually, like, tried to wrestle me in the for one of the legends fan fest when they went did it in georgia tried to wrestle me in the bar oh like, he, he, he's about ready to put me in a key lock and take me down <laughs> like i got out of there real fast i got my hips out real fast <laughs> yeah the uh but what i'm fascinated with is like if like my take on it and i'll let you explain more if i'm wrong correct me like your your fire for wrestling was dying in a sense, oh, it's it's died, well, it's gone out, yeah. it's come back. Well, and, it's burned, well this it's is this is what I'm most now, fascinated. Now, now I'm just a little bit more even keel now. Yeah, this is what I'm most fascinated with because uh, in in my witnessing of your like wrestling passion falling, you got into comedy. Mm-hmm. I remember when you talked to us because like once again we were on road trips to New York, and the the most the, if there's one thing that I hate about Jake Manning. It's that if you drive to New York for a show, you drive to New York, you break the ring down, you film it, put the ring back up, pack everything up, and then you drive your ass back home. Uh-huh. And there's no stopping, there's no hotels, nope. there's no nothing. And it was brutal. But, uh, but yeah, and I, I want to talk about like your transition. I have met a little bit to let okay. you know. I, I, <laughs> okay. I'll, 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 I'll stop like part of the way, but we'll make it a couple of days, but I'll always drive straight back home after every yeah. single trip. You, yeah. get back, you get home as fast as possible. Yes. To, to make up for the time. Yeah, exactly. The um, Is your transition to comedy. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen, like, I remember going to see you at Tremont mm-hmm. with, uh, what's the other guy that you do the pod, the Tin Bell podcast Nick with? Alexander. Nick Alexander. Yeah. It was one of his shows when you were, like, first getting in, I mm-hmm. think. It might, you might have been, like, a year in, somewhere Maybe around six there. six months. He, and, he, Nick, mm-hmm. Nick was such a really cool dude. Like, he, he put me up uh, on his shows. <laughs> years before i should have ever yeah. been on a paid show yeah. whatsoever and he was just very gracious to me and helped me out tremendously early on and, the, and, and kind of explained like hey kind of do it like this or hey this guy hey maybe meet this guy this person's cool or do this this person shit or whatever so the uh like the transition like what was the transi- transition like from it, it couldn't have been hard as a performer because you had been a performer for such a long time even though it's a different type of performance Mm-hmm. In comedy, from wrestling to comedy, mm-hmm. but like, did you take anything from wrestling into the comedy field? Like when you were starting to learn, when um, you when you first grasped. When I started to learn, I, I don't think there are too many transferable skills mm-hmm. uh, into comedy. You, you say that the, oh, performing could be easy enough, but I remember my first open mic experience, first time I ever went up. I went up in front of like a room for like it was 12 people but four people were really paying attention yeah and i was shaking and nervous and scared and i was had a joke written on a piece of paper and i was reading them off and i was frazzled and keep in mind at the time i'd been wrestling for northeast wrestling and basically wrestling in more or less my underwear in front of two thousand people yeah never consistently and just steady as a rock were this like shaking and yeah you know like feel like I'm about ready to piss my pants and just just very like nervous and just and I think you know I said the joke that was kind of questionable in content and mm. and like I got the light real early because like oh there's a group of people that are going to be offended by what you're about ready to say yeah. so don't say it <laughs> and like the the MC was very very ge- generous that way but like yeah like I it, it was starting off at zero there wasn't a whole lot in the early part of the era of as far as like 
like pro wrestling was transferable mm-hmm. skills that way. But I do feel like doing comedy made me better as a professional wrestler as far as like transferring the skills as far as like doing promos and yeah. those type of things right there. I think I got a lot better on the microphone as I started doing comedy more. But, you know, as I started doing it, I was like, man, I just really don't. I don't really see where, where wrestling helps comedy. Yeah. Comedy sure as heck helps professional mm-hmm. wrestling. The only thing that really like helped with comedy is getting spots because like, oh, I've seen you wrestle on YouTube before. I'll put you on my show. And that yeah. was about where I thought. But now as I, I start to like have a few more years under my belt and I have a few more minutes built up and have a desire to get out there and to do more shows and do more shows where I do feature sets or showcases and other stuff, I, I start to see like, oh, okay, the hustle's the same. Yeah. The, and also, too, the thing uh, about pro- professional wrestling of being something different, like, oh, okay, well, that kind of transfers here. Like, well, what what makes me different than all these other comics that are out there? And then it's like, well, because you're pro wrestler, so you got to make sure that your jokes are different enough from everybody else so that way – you know, when they put you on a show, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be different than everybody else, and he's going to have a different take, and he's going to talk about pro wrestling, and he's, he's an actual pro wrestler, but he's also in a stand-up, but it's not all about pro wrestling, but he'll, he'll make the mentions of it, but, you know, he looks like this, and he does this, and he's a good comic, and but also figuring out how you position yourself um, for an audience to get yourself out there. I don't want to say words like building your brand and just, you know, yeah, generating content yeah. and shit like that, but it is very similar, the hustle yeah. part of it is very much... It's like the networking and getting as much time under your belt as possible. That's where, like, pro wrestling helps out a lot because there's a lot of, like, comics that are in the same spot I am or started about the same time, and they just they just don't figure it out. Where it's like, well, it's just like pro wrestling. I just do – have good sets. Yeah. And then I, you know, and then do this. And, and then I this do, person will see you have this Then I do this social set. media thing, and yeah. then I make sure I'm different this way, and I make sure I have a Twitter account, and then I do this, and I do this, and this other little trick that you do to get more people to pay attention to you, yeah. and they come up with this, and then you put this out there, and, and I have skills where I can you know, edit videos and put it on a YouTube page, and then, of course, I have all, all these built-in pro wrestling fans, so do stuff that caters to them, and then they find out about my comedy, and then I pull in that audience, and, you know, and that's something I think somebody who's like four and a half years in comedy hasn't figured out yet you know yeah. they, they might be more talented and better at me as far as like writing jokes mm-hmm. there are those that that are most, most certainly that but as far as like understanding the the hustle part of it but also being equally as good on stage i think that's a that's a small percentage and those yeah. are seem you know if i keep going down that road for another six or seven years then, then it might, might be something someday you yeah know, i'm still a long ways away from thinking I could ever consider myself like feeling comfortable and saying, "Oh, I'm a stand-up comedian." Yeah, I can't say that confidently. In You're the still working right towards the goal. I mean, I couldn't say that as a professional wrestler until like probably like three years ago. Yeah. So it's going to be an even longer road for stand-up. Mm-hmm. So it could be 15 years. Now, are you are you a passion project kind of guy? Do you? I mean, I think you. Well. I'm a, I'm a money you. project okay. kind of yeah. guy. Like. Yeah. That's that's my biggest problem is that I'm not money driven. I'm more passion driven to where Well, I mean not that I'm like I chase money. Yeah. Uh I, the 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 quote that I love the most is from Deion Sanders. He's like he goes, I didn't I didn't ever chase money. I chased greatness. Gotcha. See, if you're great at something, they're going to pay you to do <laughs> yeah. it. Like that's yeah, I love that, it. that's what I've tried to keep it in mind too. So I I've, I've tried to be great. Yeah. And and the way Deion Sanders classified himself as great is that he was a two sport athlete. 
Like mm-hmm. I'm doing what nobody else yeah. can do. I'm I am special. I am unique. I am important in this aspect that I can do both of these things. Yeah. And this is how special I am and this is what I am in my marketplace. God. And I that, wish I had that mindset. And and that's kind of how I feel now about stand up and mm-hmm. professional wrestling. Is like this is what I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm not chasing like making I'm not worried about how much money I'm making on podcast or how much money I'm making in pro wrestling. Obviously, it's sometimes a determining factor. Like, no, I'm not going to drive there for that. Or, yeah. no, I'm not going to do that show for that. Or, yeah. But for this show, I'll do that for this money that I turned down over here. Yeah. You know, gotcha. Or this opportunity. Yeah, I'll do that opportunity. Making then, smart decisions. Yeah. And then stand-up's like, well, this is on the way or this makes sense. I'm like, mm, doing this stand-up's really going to prevent me from making that pro wrestling money that I want. Oh, I have to put this over here. But then I've got to make sure that I – but I'm not going to have time to do this pro wrestling thing to do this comedy thing okay i gotta do this comedy thing because this is important for that constant juggling yeah so you know and understanding that so like i chase those things i my hope is to be as equally as good um doing stand-up as i am professional wrestling which luckily i'm not very talented professional wrestling so i've got i got i got got a much i got a much shorter distance (laughs) if i was ricochet oh and i had to be just as good as ricochet as far as stand-up goes it'd be impossible like i know like i know you're a humble individual but the like you're the type of wrestler that doesn't need to do flips and shit to to be great. Well, my my niche is is emotion. Yes, and I don't think it's quite the the popular thing right now because we're in an era of like the gif files, the short video clips. Um, that's mm-hmm. how most people consume professional wrestling: the highlight reels and all of yeah. those things. Um, I'm very much a wrestler who success is dependent upon how I can play upon your emotions. Yeah. And I feel like I do that at a fairly consistent rate in different places. Like you go to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. If you just let me wrestle there long enough, I'll get over with those people enough that they'll, that I'll have a big reaction. I'll I'll take them on a story that they can get behind that they can sink their teeth into and we can kind of build to something that gives them to an emotional response. The same thing is happening in Iowa right yeah, now. With that's me, what I was right? about to say. You and my feud with the wrestling tents. Like, yeah. You know, that's something they can kind of sink their teeth into. And, you know, if, if people give me an opportunity to consistently go to a place long enough and just let me have entertaining matches, let me kind of build, let me kind of burrow my way in, mm-hmm. into the crowd psyche and just put me in front of the people, let them know that I'm a, I am exist and I'm aware. And then all of a sudden I'm going to do something they really like and then like more. And then it's, it, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a much more of a slower build. Like you're, nobody's going to be like, this guy is amazing. We have to put him on our card. Yeah. You know, like there's not like I've seen his stuff on YouTube. It's he's that thing he does is so insane. I'm never going to be that guy, but I'm going to be the guy that if you put me on the sh- on the show, you know, you won't have to worry about it being a bad match. Well, that that falls into like the background of promotions as well, because uh, like I've said it plenty of times, is a lot of like Evo did what it did. It got over a lot of the local guys, mm-hmm. but a lot, probably at least sixty percent of the stuff I did in Evo was me and you talking mm-hmm. before the night before when we were setting up the ring at the arena. Yeah. And coming up with ideas, and and fast forward to and this is the last time I, this isn't about PWX. I'm not gonna. That's the last time I'll mention it. Uh, you and John Schuyler's feud at PWX mm-hmm. that built to when you his career versus title when you won the belt. That was probably the most emotional thing we've ever done in that company. And it's it's a simple story. Uh, and I, I really like the the stuff I did with your company Eva, where it's like if I lose, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. And then I get all the way through the finals. And then I lose. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and then it's like, where's the next step to this? 
and leaving people with questions. But you, you, you put out something that's very simple. And the thing with John Schuyler was I was losing, and then I wasn't just losing in one specific spot. I was making sure that I was losing everywhere. Yeah. And then how do we get this person who loses all these matches into a position to where he gets a title shot? Well, he has to antagonize the person that has the title to yeah. the point that he's willing to give it to the point. And also the, the management feels like we're backed into a corner. We have to give it to him. So, But here, this person clearly loses all the time. Mm-hmm. And there, there has to be that feeling of like, how do we get this person to believably in, in a believable position in front of this this other person who is the champion? Yeah. How do we make this challenger? This is who he is. Mm-hmm. And then this other person over here who has been successful and held the belt longer than anybody else in the company and is successfully defended against all of these people, put him in a situation like, how can this guy possibly beat this guy? Yeah. And it's almost like a, almost like a wave coming over. And then also, too, you take in the other underlying factor of like, I've always been on the verge of retiring. So it's yeah. like, well, let's put the career stipulation on it. And mm-hmm. you've seen John Schuyler, you know, over, you know, take away people's, you know, yeah. you know, stuff from people before, like that, that Ethan Case feud where it just felt mm-hmm. like he was building something and he just took it away. Yeah. Is John going to take away Jake Manning as well? Mm-hmm. And then it's, and it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's just a simple story, the simplest possible. And it, it's something that's beat over people over months. Like this guy is this. This guy is this. And then you just keep going down that track. Like This guy is this. This guy is this. And this guy is this. And all of a sudden, they become closer. I'm doing a visual thing right now on a podcast. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's it's like a a triangle. Yeah. Both guys are on opposite ends of the triangle. Mm -hmm. And then this guy acts like this and then acts like this. And because of his actions... These two men will meet at the top of the pyramid. Gotcha. And that, and that's that's how you should look at every every feud, every angle. Is like, what points will lead these guys to this position to, the to battle where, to where we want to be? What is the top of the pyramid? What are we trying to get to? What are we trying to build to? And every one of their actions leading up to that leads to this moment. And then sometimes you don't even know who the other person is coming on the other side. Yeah. You but you just know that you're trying to get this this champion or this challenger to this point at at top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Is either like he's on this losing streak and he's going to beat somebody. Who's he going to beat? I don't know. And then you're like, well, this guy's moving on this path. Well, we can put him on the same path with him. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I don't think people think about it so much like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I think this would be a good match. How can we get here in two months? Which is fine. And, yeah. and sometimes it's like, sometimes styles make matches. Yeah. And then. But you can't ride on that forever. Yeah. But, like, but, but luckily we have a lot of talented guys that you can yeah. just like, like, Caleb Connolly's mm-hmm. that for multiple different promotions. Yeah. Like a lot of XYZ promotions that are out there will book Caleb because he can give you uh, a match that's they can have a rich he can wrestle a rich swan mm-hmm. and do all kinds of like intricate moves and a, a combos and a series of moves all put together. Or he could wrestle James Storm. Yeah. Or he could wrestle um, the progressive liberal guy in West Virginia. Or yeah. he could wrestle like Tommy Rich, you yeah, know, who, yeah. or whoever. Like you can put them in all these different places, and people bring them in to have like a good match or make mm-hmm. this guy, make this local guy, like look like a million dollars, million dollars. And, yeah. he do, and he does it a lot. And a lot of Tennessee shows are like, hey, if we book Caleb, whoever we put him in the ring with, he's going to give him a good match. Mm-hmm. And we know, and he's got a look just enough cachet that when Caleb puts them over, yeah, that guy looks better. That guy's up, and yeah. and Caleb's gonna you know strive to do better, and that's that's kind of what. 
what he is, and there's nothing wrong with those type of matches as well. Yeah, you know, he might not come back to that promotion again, and they mm-hmm. might bring him back a couple more times. Mm-hmm. But he's going to do that for a multitude of different promotions, yeah. and then there's people that do that for the evolves, the PWGs, the you know AAWs. Mm-hmm. Like those, there are those guys. That, yeah. that, that go around and do that for those that Penta is yeah. a perfect example yeah. like how many times did we see Penta wrestle whoever the top guy was at yeah, Game Changer yeah. AAW like how many times did we see you know Penta versus Sammy Callahan mm-hmm. or, or Myron Reed for this other promotion or yeah. Joey Janela over here mm-hmm. or you know, or it's, a Leo Rush when he was available at Caesar you know like you yeah. see guys like that Phoenix is like that now like if mm-hmm. you want somebody that's going to give you a killer match against a Christian Casanova Darby Allen just throw you know which are all like strong stalwarts at Northeast Wrestling you just throw Phoenix at him they're going to have a great match yeah. Phoenix and Penta are those guys that they travel around and they a little cachet and he makes the you know the local star that's really good that just mm-hmm. kind of needs a little boost a little bit of national attention and he gets some of that gotcha so. now switching back over to the comedy thing when i started the podcast what i love the one of the things that one of the things that i loved the most about it was like i was branding myself mm-hmm. nobody else i didn't have to prove anything through anybody i didn't have to think about a company as a whole i just thought about myself and the brand that i'm creating mm-hmm. and now did you feel like that when you stepped into comedy I just want it to be funny. Yeah, I just really. I mean, I, I think it's. I think it's too early for me to worry about a brand. Mm-hmm. I just. I just want to be funny as I possibly can, and I'm very insecure about it. Like there's certain people, like a lot of like my pro wrestling friends, like I've been very he- hesitant to show them yeah. my comedy. Um, like very few people have seen like a full set. Like some, because mm-hmm. sometimes you like email people, like email me. What do you do? Let me look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, there's something there, and I don't want to really show anything. Yeah. But there, there are a few people that I, I share it with. Um, you know, like if they ask a clip, like you know, I'll say. But I mean, I'm nervous about sending a clip to Marty DeRosa. Yeah. I'm nervous to send one to Cabana because got no Cabana will shit on it. Yeah, always. <laughs> but I, but always. I, I love him for yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and he's, he's it's always, always constructive. Though. Yeah, he's he's just trying to help. Yeah, yeah. But like at the same time too, like he is my Mozart to my Salieri. Yeah, and I can I have feel confident saying that aloud because he doesn't know who the, what that reference is, yeah. and probably ninety five percent of the people who are listening to this podcast don't get that reference yeah. either. So, um, but no, like it. I just I'm just really nervous about being funny and it's going to take a while for me to have a belief that I am funny. I'm starting to get an inkling for it. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a little inkling that I'm, I'm not, I'm not bad at this Yeah, and that I could do it in different circumstances. I, I, I try and use some of these open mics almost like a gym, like a very ha- heavy gym. Like, mm-hmm. like I like going up late at the evening to use mix mic. Yeah. Like at eleven thirty at night when people have been there since eight. Like people are exhausted. I like going there late, and then I like going to Graham Street Pub earlier the night when nobody's really paying attention, and it's hard pulling people's attention at a, at a crowded bar. And yeah. then go over to like a good open mic late later in the night, and just you gotta bring the energy and get people to pay attention mm-hmm. to you. What, are, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to tell my, stick with my jokes though. Don't dick around. How do I make this you know, really go for it? Like, See, what, like what are that. the things you got to to do? So I'm just trying to figure that out and just be a guy that comes that way. And I don't, I don't know if I've really figured out who I am yet on stage. I'm still trying to be the guy that is driving the ring truck at one thirty at night 
with a 20-foot trailer behind him, a steering wheel in front of him, and he is just burying everybody and their brother in the most comedic way possible. Yes. How can I be that version of Jake Manning on stage? And yeah. I've seen glimmers of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's happened a couple of times. There's a couple of times I've been able to kind of drop that needle on that record. and like, oh, there's there's the groove yeah. that I need to be. And like, I need to remember how I got here because I think that's being like, this is my path to success and this is what people should expect from that performance. I think like it's weird it's weird that you mentioned that because I think it's widely known to I don't know that to my listeners, but in, in westling is that you come you can come across as an asshole. Yeah. Like a big asshole. Oh I know and, 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 and I hated some- you the first probably four years I knew you. And I don't know when it transitioned to like understanding like, oh, that's just how Jake is. Mm-hmm. Like Jake means nothing by it. Most of the time, it's just that's his way of communicating. But the the road trip, like you're talking about, when you're we're just burying everybody and talking and listening to fucking music, the, the, the words and F, F, F everybody not in this car. Yes, is if is, you are not in this car, you are not about getting us closer to home. Yes. you're not about our final goal here of making as much money as possible from town to town, yep. or and or getting the money that we were promised to have at the end of this trip. Yes. So if you are not one of those people inside of this car, you do not matter to me as an individual. <laughs> exactly, and in that I think in some sort, in some manner, those conversations or those like laughing moments are what made me like really like fall in love with Jake Manning and like feel I think I think our journeys together and our journeys through Evo and through other promotions and our road trips that's what I feel like I'm I might be a friend like mm-hmm. we're friends instead of yeah, just co-workers yeah for sure. but but that's like that's that was a transition period I remember when it was like okay I remember the moment when it was like okay I can't take everything that Jake says to me to heart and it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, when we were breaking down the ring after the Ring of Honor show mm-hmm. with the cage match. And I did something wrong. And you said, what the fuck are you doing, Patrick? Like, right in my face. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, and that moment, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get pissed off when Jake yells at me. Because he means well. He, just get, he, he gets stuff done. Mm-hmm. That's like, if there was something to put beside your name, like Jake Manning dash, get shit done. Like, all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's in and, and this consistent. Like, it's not like me, like me and, uh, I think it was me and Corky. No, me and somebody on a podcast, we're talking about, uh, the, the conversation, which meant a lot to me that we had in New York when we were sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this or not. And uh, you told you, like you constructive criticism told me like, this is the problem with you, Patrick. Yeah. You put too much of stuff on your plate. You then when, instead of letting go of some of it and being good at what you can, what you are good at, you just quit it all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what I need. I need people like that that will speak the truth to me. And that meant a lot to me. Because well, I've had to do that for myself. Yeah. Every single night, every single day of yeah. my entire life. And I've become a bit more introspective on that. Now, so... So, uh, I, so every time I, I look at people, I try mm-hmm. to figure like, okay, as opposed to me getting mad that you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, what, what are your positives? Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'm trying to learn right now is take people's positives and how can I channel them into uh, doing what I need to get done for me. Yeah. 
like assessing what their strengths, what their weaknesses are and hide those weaknesses and heighten those strengths. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's, I feel like I have that ability. I've not used that ability and I just scream at people and expect people just to follow in line exactly as me. And what I've started to learn is that nobody will ever follow me. Yeah. Nobody will, even, even me being, nobody will follow me, especially being so negative, being so angry and yelling. Nobody will ever follow that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I found myself very much alone a lot of times in professional wrestling. Um, so, so, so also too, nobody will work as hard sometimes as me. So that I kind of teaches myself like, Hey, maybe I, maybe I'm going to have to just do this myself, but what can this person do for me to get me closer to getting everything done? So I've learned over time to, to assess what people's strengths are, what their weaknesses are and, and, and use that to, to my advantage almost in a sense, but also to heighten them, their place in, this grand plan of running a professional wrestling show for, for this particular amount of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I've, I've learned that as a hard lesson, you know, and I've also had to do an introspective look on myself and like, what are my flaws? And so like, I try and, you know, now that I've looked at myself, I look at other people like, uh, like, Oh, this guy, the reason why he acts like this because of this and this and this and this. So I have to be, I have to play up this, this, and this, and this to get this done, and this done, and this done. And if I put him in this position, he will, he'll be, he'll do everything at a hundred percent. Yeah. Or if I get him to do things I want done at this way, it's not going to get. He's he's going to be at forty percent at something. Yeah. He's going to be twenty five percent at this. But if I figure out what he's a hundred percent at and put him at what he's a hundred percent at and just leave him there and let him be, mm-hmm. he will be much happier and we will have a much more successful outcome. Yeah, that's what I've tried to learn. The now, like I, I don't even say I dabbled. I I've watched enough comedy at these comedy shows to convince myself that I could possibly do it. Mm-hmm. And I did it, and I. Tommy appreci- does that and, to you. It'll do and, that yeah, too. and I and I and it's it was weird because it was like I'd watch people and like through talking to you and you like kind of not guiding me, but putting my mind like okay, this is this is how they do this. This is how they set up this. This is how this person's like like a uh, normal dentist. Yeah, like you told me, like he's got a unique style. Yeah, you just have to watch his style, and it's it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's and it's creative, and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I might be able to do this. And I, I did. I didn't. I didn't just so completely suck. I don't believe. No, you're fine. But the, like, I don't know. Like when you talk about like going to the like the gym piece, which I love the analogy mm. of going somewhere. When do you feel? I know it's mic time. I, that's the standard answer. But when do you? When did you transition from the nervous energy of like? Do I? I got to remember my lines. I got to remember my lines. Mm. Like I gotta remember my punchline. I can't stutter this line. Mm-hmm. To okay, here's my jokes. This is how I'm gonna lay it out tonight, and go and try to pull this person in. Try to pull this group in, because that because that that seems. And I'm sure it's that's for it's this way for everybody. That's like if I think about that, if I ever wanted to try to do it again, because like I do believe that I have a friend in you that can guide me and point me to go to this open mic, go to this open mm-hmm. mic, go to this open mic, go to this open mic, and I have I have the the person that not necessarily network the but the person the guide to tell me where I need to go to try to get better. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't I, like it's so far away from in my mind that I could go up there and say, okay, I know I, I'm gonna try this joke, but I'm gonna try it this way. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to like I got to remember my lines because yeah. that's all that was going through my head. Like you just got to do hundred. Are they why are they going to laugh? You just got to do. You got really just it's it's about reps. Like mm-hmm. Louis Anderson gave the best advice ever. He's just like you just do hundred sets. See where you're at, and then. Um, I'll use a name that uh, is very polarizing as far as comedy goes, like Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like somebody asked kind of a similar question like that, and she's just like, the the day where I wasn't wasn't afraid of bombing. Yeah. Now I I will kind of change that mm-hmm. piece to fit more my feelings towards when I started to feel like okay, I, I feel like I'm having some growth. Was mm-hmm. when I feared bombing less. Yeah. It still is the worst feeling. Still ever. there. Still, it sucks when it happens. Mm-hmm. It's I, I don't feel better till I get back on stage again and I yeah. get it right. But what just the idea of being like, all right, well, I've got so much shit I got to do. You yeah. know, like I've I gotta I gotta drive to Dayton, Ohio tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I don't really have time to worry. I mean, I could stress about this set right now, but or I could just go out and do it because I gotta hurry up and ho- get home. Do yeah. do some editing, hit export, and then I gotta import this tomorrow. So yeah. I was like, so I might as well stay get, busy. I, I got, I, like I got too much to worry about, and if this five minutes don't go well, or this eight minutes, or fifteen, or whatever, I gotta do mm-hmm. this don't go well. Oh well. I've got a week's worth of work I've got to do. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, it'll suck. Yeah. And I'm not, and that's not my first prior priority is to suck. Uh, my number one priority is to crush and kill, but, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get as close to that as we possibly can. So, see, I think like everybody, and I agree. Everybody says it's a drug, but anything that you have a passion for is like a drug. But I remember, I think it was my set, the, the set that you told me, like Patrick, you're going to do a set tonight. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. And then I did like five minutes. It was like maybe my fourth or fifth time doing a set. And Julio Hennessy mm-hmm. was like, that's only your fifth set? Dude, that was fucking bomb. And I felt like a million dollars. And that's when – and I, and I hate I, – I love that that happened because he's such a nice guy for telling me that. And I don't think he was bullshitting me. Oh, but pretty straightforward. Yeah, and uh, but that, that was a set that was like, oh, I might – yeah, I might be good at this. And I was not good at all. Mm-hmm. And then the next set was the Evening Muse. Yeah. That I was just like, "This is a different environment." Um, and, that, and that, that's what yeah. you, that's what you learn. Yeah, that the jokes have to change. Yeah, under the circumstances. Yeah, like thinking about of like a, people doing Netflix specials. Like that's a completely different skill set that mm-hmm. like you have refined this so much that it's going to work everywhere. Yeah, like they like you've whittled it down. Like just realize how good. The, the good Netflix specials yeah, are. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of people that have them now that are like, mm. uh, you, you They're know. just trying to get some money. Yeah, they're going for content. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and like, you can clearly see that. And then also, too, people are doing 15-minute sets that mm-hmm. have been working on a solid 15 minutes. So, so, yeah, you can crush. Yeah. You know, like a really great comedian has been doing it for 10 years. You definitely can put together a great 15-minute set. Yeah. At least I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. After 10 years, I hope you have a, an hour that crushes. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. But if you have only 15 that crushes. Now, is is there a timetable with comedians of like after? People say about 10 years is kind of like. It's like, like that's when you have right. a solid hour. Like that's when you've kind of like, this is where we're at. You're established. Yeah. Found and, and I think that's true. Well, that's established, but you, you're a comic or you're not. Gotcha. Like, you figured you either figured it out or it's time to hang up the boot. Yeah, or it's like, all right, you're doing this ten years. How many times are you going up? Yeah. How many shows you get booked? Gotcha. How many people following you on YouTube, Twitter, all those things? Yeah. How many bookings are you getting? You know that that's if you can take solid stock in, in yourself you're and you're like, okay, this is my position right now. 
and after 10 years in, you've got some sort of position that bookers know your name and you can get book and you can do some feature work here. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone like Todd. Yeah. Todd, uh, Todd Riley, who's on the show tonight, he's passed with the Funny Bone. Yeah. So he features at the Funny Bone Clubs all the time. Yeah. He's, you know, basically passed at the Comedy yeah, he's Zone. Been, he's been here before once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's basically passed at the, at the Comedy Zone. So anytime Comedy Zone needs a feature, he gets called in right away. So yeah. he's always constantly got work. And he's a great awesome. feature, you know, unbelievable. But now he's trying to get to that point from feature to headliner and then how does he get people to buy tickets to come see him? And yeah. with the rise of breweries, what he's done is he's gone around to all these breweries like, hey, I can bring you a comedy show. Mm-hmm. And he has a comedy album now. So gotcha. basically he can come into these breweries, he can do a brand new set that, he, that he's been working on mm-hmm. for a while, and he goes, oh, by the way, I have this comedy album right now that's available, Spotify, iTunes, all yeah. these other places, yeah. and gets people to buy it, and then they get to hear that. And, and then, then they, they become fans. They become fans of him and follow, and follow yeah. him, and then when he comes back to that town and that brewery, yeah. hopefully it's more money. And, and I've, so, I've, I've learned so, that So he's breweries. trying to do like a gra- – it's very much a grassroots thing, but yeah. getting out those – and hopefully it's word of mouth, like, hey, this com- comedian like, showed up to our brewery, and he was hysterical, and mm-hmm. he did this, you know, and get people to follow you, and then he becomes like the brewery tour guy. Gotcha. You know, and, but that's Smart. Back, back to brands, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, Like my – unfortunately, my brand brand is – sickening to even say will be like oh it's the pro wrestling guy gotcha you know like what what can you say real fast about me that is what it is yeah you know it's the pro wrestler guy that dresses like a boy scout you know that's got all the, the funny yeah but the, 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 the funny the, the wrestling the, the funny videos talking to a tent but, the, but there's no reason that they they can't like cross paths like your wrestling career and your comedy career well, because the, because the, the wrestling career whether you want to admit it or not is getting attention again well the the hope the hope is that i become a little bit more successful in pro wrestling yeah and then they become aware that i do comedy and it's gotcha. like oh well he's in town doing mm-hmm. comedy in indianapolis yeah i've always wanted to see his comedy and then somebody who books me for a one-nighter maybe a small little bar or even if it's a smaller club like say i'm in dayton or cincinnati go bananas mm-hmm. and somehow i finagled them into giving me like a tuesday night or a wednesday yeah. a night they would have been dark or a night mm-hmm. they would have wouldn't have had anything going on um and get them as like jake manning and friends or whatever and yeah I, or and, and then i have local comedians come up and I do like 20, 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. And the club owner is like, Hey, you brought a bunch of people to my club who wouldn't have normally come to that club, but they know you from professional wrestling. But all of these people clearly don't come to my club because I don't see them when I get a headliner here. But these are new people that know that there's a comedy club in town. So thank you for that. So basically what I'm trying to do is take uh, people who don't spend money on comedy shows and bring them into comedy venues or venues where comedy happens mm-hmm. and get them to spend money. So therefore, the bookers, the people who run one-nighters, the club owners, they're appreciative of what I can provide for them, which is a brand new, new audience. And then their hope is like, oh, I didn't know this club existed. Oh, my gosh, they got... Um, they got Steve Byrne coming in, yeah. And I, I, I liked him when he was on that one show, and I've heard good things. I saw his Netflix special. Like I didn't realize Steve Byrne, the comedians like Steve Byrne would show up here. Yeah. Or oh my gosh, you guys have Nikki Glazer coming in. I didn't know that this place even existed. You guys got Nikki Glazer coming into the Comedy yeah. Zone. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you know, like that's that's what I feel like my value could be, and then I'd be much more valuable to bookers and comedy club owners because I'd be bringing in the pro wrestling fan that you know kind of likes comedy, but they don't really know where to go because they're very much in the wrestling bubble. Yeah. 
But you're bringing the wrestling fans to mm-hmm. comedy. Much clubs. like, you know, when Mick Foley shows up. Yeah. But, like, I don't know how many of his fans will end up just being like, oh, I'm going to come back to this comedy club. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it, it, very much what he does is still very much pro wrestling stories. Yeah. But, like, if I show up and I book it with a lot of local comedians that are mm-hmm. wrestling fans that I know, you know, does, and they're like, oh, I like that, like, like Mike Helsinki or I like Reed Pegram or Joe Pettis or whoever. And I, I like that guy. I, and then, like, you, like, hey, can I get your Twitter? And then you would follow Joe on social media. I'm like, oh, Joe runs four shows a week. Yeah. Like I'll go to one of your shows cause I dig your show. And then you find all these great comedians and then like you find out this awesome, cool comedy. It's just scene. like a domino effect. Yeah. And then like it, it, then I'm being helpful to this ecosystem of comedy that I'm now a part of. And then I'm helping as opposed to this pro wrestling guy that fucking couldn't make it. And now he's <laughs> yeah. honing in on no. my spots. You yeah. Know? I gotcha. So. so last question would be, You've done so much in professional wrestling, uh, with with what I know your drive and your uh, like goal oriented mind is with comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I see you doing so much in comedy. Do you have like uh, an idea of how you want to be remembered in wrestling and comedy, or you just want to be one of the hardest working guys ever? I mean, I I'd, I'd like to be hard working. You know, mm-hmm. like I like you to- are. But at the same time, I make this joke now that I'm like, you know, people are always talking about Jake Manning is so hardworking. Man, Jake works hard. Nobody works harder than Jake Manning. I'm like, nobody ever says Jake Manning's really talented and super funny. Oh, yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody ever says that. Like, I've gotten, I've got, I've got a, my Australian girlfriend to tell you, I've got a mantle full of Mr. Hustle awards yeah. from the wrestling team, <laughs> yeah. the football team. There's mm-hmm. no like awards of like, uh, all-time greatest, like, most touchdowns yeah. in school history. None yeah. of that. There's yeah. no award. just like, hey, this guy worked hard. Wasn't talented. You know, like, <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> you know, to say that is basically yeah. saying the most undiscovered, the the uh, most uh, underappreciated talent or whatever, or yeah. the, that thing. I think Al Snow, like, was something like most uh, underappreciated, most underrated wrestler of, of all and he goes yeah that was a fun award to win once not eight to ten <laughs> yeah. times gotcha. so it's kind of it's kind of like that i mean i i would like i would like uh, to have the ability to email people club owners wrestling yeah. promoters mm-hmm. uh, whoever and be able to email them like hey man uh do you mind using me on your june show yeah and they email me back like hey june show's full how about July or August? Here, here's my upcoming dates. Gotcha. I'd like to bring you in. Yeah. And promoters being able to email me back. Yeah. And then shoot me some possible dates that could work if that date doesn't work. Yeah. That's a nice place to be. Yeah. And having everybody be like that, like me having enough cachet that I'm worth a email reply back. Yeah. Would be would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having that in comedy and wrestling would be nice because then I can start formulating like long runs where I do stand up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. maybe Friday. Um, and then do, you know, pro wrestling Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. or like one week is all comedy and one week is all pro wrestling and have the gotcha. ability that possibly that is my main source of income. Mm-hmm. And th- those are the things that I do. And I post funny videos and people like them. And then whatever the ad share from that is. Yeah. You know, and, and I've been saying this a lot and I, and I, and I fear saying this because people are going to rip it off, but, um, but I think I'm ahead of – I've kind of been foreseeing people are moving away from – like, remember when we were kids? Yeah. NBC, like, oh, 
what, what should I do on a Thursday night? Well, NBC comedies. Let's just turn on NBC. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the era of like, what should I do? Ah, just turn Comedy Central on mm-hmm. and just watch Comedy Central. Yeah. And people are like loyal to channels. Well, as satellites and cable systems all fracture off. Yeah. You know, like I'm an old man. Like sometimes I just turn on the NFL network and let it chill. Yeah. As we fracture off as a society and like there's so many channels and everything like that. Um, and now with YouTube channels, like somebody's YouTube channel could be just all the things they do. Like imagine if I had How Did This Get Booked, 10 Bell Pod, Dad, You Don't Work, You Wrestle, the funny little comedy skits, mm-hmm. um, stand-up comedy clips. Yeah. What if somebody just stumbled to my YouTube page and saw all those things? Mm-hmm. Saw full-on professional wrestling matches that I'm in that are properly edited, uh, interviews that I have with other wrestlers. Imagine if you came to a person instead of NBC, Comedy yeah. Central, those things. I think that's where we're going to be as a consuming culture is we won't be – you're even seeing it with you know, people aren't going – supporting just specifically wrestling promotions. They're promoting the wrestlers themselves. Yeah. That's why – wrestlers t-shirts the, those merch sales are up yeah the the larger like promotion merch sales are, are down because mm-hmm. they want to give to the individual people yeah. are floating more towards the individual and supporting the individual so if somebody comes out and does a bunch of things mm-hmm. they're like i like this guy i want to pay attention to everything that he yeah. does i will what's the form that i could get up with him and pay attention to everything he does and do you feel like to piggy to piggyback off of that do you feel like I'm, a, I'm a big fan of like that comedy store crew from California. Mm-hmm. That's like Rogan and Tom yeah, Segura. You're going to click and, the guys, and I'm just going to just follow them, follow their Instagram page, and yeah. follow their. But like, they like. Do you feel? I think we've talked about this before. Like, uh, if if you like, I know you you and Nick do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Tyler's like a big wrestling fan. Uh, like Tyler Wood, yeah. and like if you formed a group. Not necessarily to share that mo- that momentum, but if they if they see like Jake, I like Jake. Oh, Jake does stuff with Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me go check out Nick's channel because that's how I am with them with that California crew. Is just like, oh, I, I found this Burt Kreischer. I know who Joe Rogan is, yeah. and I listen to his podcast. But oh, he was on the podcast. Oh, they did sober October. Oh, who's the Ari Shafir guy? Oh, I know, I've heard of Tom Segura. Let me check him out because he's he's on this podcast yeah. with these. Guys. You know what I mean? And it's just like it builds the whole. Oh, I would love to do that, but the, to answer your question right there, I got nothing against guys you named, but yeah, nobody works as hard as me. Gotcha. If I was going to team with somebody, they'd have to work exactly. as hard. I believe that, and I, I understand I, completely. I don't. I don't know if I've found that person yet. Gotcha. And that person out there may be. I mean, I've tried. Yeah. But I think I think Zane's pretty close. Yeah. I think Zane is kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. so I, 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 I that's why I do a lot of stuff with him yeah that's why I have no problem doing them the how did this get booked but like some of the other people they you know they're over here doing this or they're just solely doing stand up mm-hmm. you know as far as like somebody really 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 getting out like some, some people go through spurts like I've yeah. seen some comedians like oh you're putting stuff out and you're doing this mm-hmm. and you think about doing a podcast okay great and then none of Nothing. those things happen yeah right? and then you just kind of then you're just they're just going up and doing spas, and the, like I haven't I haven't met those people that have that drive consistently yeah. for long periods of time. Like I would love to meet that person and collaborate with them and let them know. And anytime I, but then at the same time, too, the alpha male in me comes because yeah. part of the reason I don't do improv anymore, I don't want to share the credit. I don't want to share the blame. I hear you. So, well, 
We got a comedy show yep. to do. We got to do. Yep. So we got to get ready for that. Dude, is awesome. Thank you for joining me. Okay. I've been trying to get you on for a while, even though I just texted you last week there we go. <laughs> to do it. I know. But dude, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. you got, do you want to put anything out there where they can find you? At Manscout Manning. Follow me on YouTube. It's uh, I have very little YouTube followers. I have really cool stuff up there. I would appreciate it getting more than 47 views for this really awesome tent with uh, a promo with tent and freight train. So I would appreciate that. Check out my YouTube page, at Manscout Manning. Also, at Manscout Manning, Instagram and Twitter. So we have a couple hundred people that listen to this every week. I expect all of them to go to your Please. YouTube and I, watch I that and I will, subscribe. I, and I will, I, will, I will know for sure. Yeah. I will know how many subscribers I have right now. I love it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Special Podcast. Find all of our old episodes at TuesdaySpecials.com. That's TuesdaySpecial.com. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. All right. Thank you. Yeah.